OK. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to OK Podcast. My name is Hayden. My name's Kamila. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking about something that has been debated and discussed quite frequently and maybe touchy to some people in the J fashion community. It's a topic that has many angles and viewpoints. Today, we'll be discussing the cultural appropriation of black culture by Japanese brands and people both past and present. Joining us today is the one and only Callie from OtaQ Apparel. Callie is the owner of OtaQ Apparel, an indie clothing brand that focuses on making cute clothing available and affordable for all sizes and gender identities. She uses her artwork to inspire others to love themselves and wear clothing they feel cute in. She's also one of the coordinators for Houston Harajuku Fashion Walk and the co-founder of K-Club, a brand new self-published seasonal magazine that focuses on J-fashion and the kawaii lifestyle. And if you are interested in learning more about K-Club, become one of our patrons this month and you will receive some special bonus content with Callie talking about K-Club. We'll also be like putting in some content in the K-Club first issue. It's so. super exciting. Yeah. So we're going to have to get ourselves one because we're in it. Yeah. <laughs> but before we get into that topic, let's hop into our events for this month. The first one that we have is Puvathel Presents Betty Beat. It's taking place on Sunday, March 10th in Atlanta, Georgia. This is like a separate pop-up. It's not connected to any convention or whatnot. Come hang out in the Yumi Kawaii world of Betty Beat, hosted by Puvathel in collaboration with Christia and Vanessa. Featuring three courses of fancy food, yes. fun-themed activities, food. <laughs> Yumi Kawaii decor, and photo area, a Puvathel pop-up and um, exclusive Puvathel items, and a special guest. So I know who the special guest is now <laughs> because that's just been announced. Um, it's going to be Tyler Willis. Yay! <laughs> I love Tyler. She's awesome. Yeah. J fashion or formal attire is required. Casual J fashion styles such as Fairy K, Menhera, or Decora are allowed. It's a ticketed event. However, you can shop at Puvathel's pop-up without a ticket. Tickets will go on sale on the 10th at noon. General tickets are $45. VIP tickets are $85. VIP tickets come with champagne mm. for those over 21. One of each exclusive Puvathel pin, which, you know, Puvathel pins are the bomb. And a standard goodie bag, a personalized handmade name badge, too. Pretty cool. Yeah, I'm super excited. So do you know what Betty Beat is? Because I'm not familiar. From what I can see from progress posts and things like that, I think it's going to be like this character, you know, like Puvathel usually has like some sort of like theme and character surrounded around mm -hmm. her um, collection. So I think Betty Beat is going to be another one of those characters and might possibly have like a comic associated with it. Um, I don't know if it's going to be like long form or just like a short form like comic just to get the idea of who Betty Beat is. Yeah, I just saw some some things that kind of seemed like it was going that way and it was going to be a character and then there was going to be clothes and stuff around it. Very exciting. Yeah. Next up, 
the Louisiana Tea Party. It's going to be a study in frills. All sleuths are welcome. I'm so jealous. I'm just like, oh, I want to go because I love mystery dinner type stuff. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I've been to like one in my entire life. It was pretty fun. Mm. Seating starts at 11 a.m. and this event ends at 2 p.m. It is going to be taking place Sunday, April 21st. The little description is, Dear Detective, you have been cordially invited to solve a grand mystery. Do you dare to enter the mansion to solve the crime of the century? Come join us on Sunday, April 21st. See if you have what it takes to piece together the clues and capture the true culprit. Yours truly, Louisiana May 2019. This is the voice I'm giving the entirety of the convention. <laughs> Louisiana May, hire me. Yes, I was about to just say that. I'm just like somebody hire. Hated to read all ads. <laughs> <laughs> so the theme, if you can already tell, is going to be detective slash Edwardian theme. So maybe like an aristocratic look might be a bit mm. of a change for some of those who are more into like Lolita or VK. The yeah. theme is not required, but it is very encouraged to keep in line. It would be very cool to have everything themed. I think mm-hmm. theme things are just awesome. Yeah, I do. I love that. And then we have NakaCon Tea Party. The description reads, join us for a tea party featuring special guest brand Metamorphose. Ooh, exciting. Yeah, I have some. I think I have some dresses by them. Yeah. Their finalized tea menu will include both gluten-free and vegan options for all attendees. A selection of teas will be available, both almond milk and cream and sugar. This takes place March 17th in Kansas City. Very cool. So not a whole lot of events coming up for this month. Um, March is kind of like a weird limbo time, I feel, as well. Yeah. You have a lot of events in summer. You have a few in winter because of the theme stuff. Mm -hmm. But then... Like, right after Valentine's Day, it's like, okay, we take a break now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Like, I mean, because we got Katsukon. Katsukon does, like, a bunch of stuff. And then after that is kind of, like, yeah, just space. Like, smaller things going on. Mm -hmm. I think Anna Marathon is going to have a tea party or something, too. But I don't know any details on that. I don't have. Yeah, they didn't put out any, like, more details on it than that. Next up, we are going to jump into our kawaii spotlight for this month. This one I don't want to do because I'm very sad about it. I know, and I feel like I never even got to enjoy them before. It's just like, hey, closing. I know. Lolita Des is closing and is having a massive sale that's just like gradual over time, starting with like 10% to 20%. All the way up to 50%. Yeah. So if you guys are willing to hold out that long to get those good, good deals, then do so. But some of your favorite items might be gone by then. So please time yourself. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. According to their statement, it seems like they're closing because of a lot of time being spent on this project and um, wanting to think about the future and spending their time on other things. Um, They said that they did make a profit, but after all like the fees for like imports and different things like that, it wasn't enough to really like give them like vacation time and all this other stuff. It's just like they had to just keep working in order to, um, you know, keep afloat and things like that. So we didn't get to speak about this on the podcast, but Hey Newly is closing and thing like, or brief pausing. I'm not sh- sure exactly how 
I don't know how it was stated. It was just like, oh, there might be another chapter. In the yeah. Pe-. Like it kind of felt like, oh, maybe we'll get a sequel someday, years from now. For the most part, Hainuli is going to be closing yeah. for a decent amount of time at least. Yeah, indefinite. Being a small business is difficult. It's very hard. You got to support them now while they're there because it's every day is like a struggle to keep the doors open for um, a lot of small businesses and stuff like that, especially when you have talents that can be used elsewhere and you're getting older or something and just like, hey, I want to like save up for the future. That's what at least the Lolita Desk team was talking about, like saving up for the future and being able to do that. Now let's hop into our Kawaii Spotlights for this month. Or the first shop that we have in our Kawaii Spotlight this month is Unredesigns. Now, Unredesigns is a made-to-order custom clothing Etsy shop owned by a black person, and they are a plus-size person, and their clothing caters to plus-size audience, ranging from extra, extra small all the way to 5XL. So if you are looking for some custom pieces, definitely check into Unredesigns. Yeah, um, when I was looking through the items, I really liked the harem pants, one of my staples for my style. So they have like these harem pants that are customizable where you can pick some different fabric prints to choose from. One that I'm looking at right now as an example is like a Lisa Frank pattern on one pant leg and then the other pant leg has like a multicolored leopard print, which is really cool. The great thing about this is that you can pick from any of the fabrics that the owner of Unredesigns already has on hand, or if you so desire, you have a fabric or a look in mind, you can message them and you guys can work out a design together, and that way you can have your very own personally designed harem pants. And I picked out the Bats in the Night plus size skirt. And now this skirt, oh, it speaks to my goth side. Again, this is so cool. It's (laughs) not exactly a Lolita skirt. However, it does very much have like an elegant gothic Lolita-esque print. It is so cool. The background is this gray, white, almost cloudy cloudy looking sky, which Mm -hmm. I really, really enjoy. And then flying up are these black silhouettes of bats. And then there are a few really large, more detailed bat images on them. Yeah. Not a lot of people know this about me, but I love bats. Yeah, you do. I really do <laughs> love bats. I love fruit bats. I love brown bats. I love vampire bats. I love all kinds of bats. They're all ugly and cute at the same time. <laughs> Not all of them. Fruit bats are pretty cute on their own. But these ones look like pretty basic brown bats. Now, brown bats are found throughout, like, the entire world. That's why I say basic. Not saying that brown bats are basic. (laughs) Basic as in they're, like, pretty common. But I just love this. So if you are interested in, like, a Lolita-esque looking print, but not exactly a Lolita dress or skirt, definitely check this out, especially if you're into bats and gothness. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now we move on to Ghost Girl Goods, which is a... Canadian retailer of kawaii fashion and accessories. They've got some of their own designs, which are Ghost Girl collaborating with different people. And then there's News and 6% Doki Doki being sold 
through the website. I picked the Pompoji's Cotton Candy Skirt. It's one of the tool tutu-like skirts, and they have suspenders that are coming off of the waistband. And I really liked it because I don't usually see that combination of the whole suspenders and the skirt. It's usually like... Um, a basic like t-shirt or jersey material yeah yeah not like the combining the tool skirt material so and then they have different stripes of color so they have a pink a really neon bright blue and then pastel yellow and then a pastel purple color so very much the four furry k basic colors that you're trying to shoot for which is my favorite color combination, so I'm all for it. Big mood. (laughs) And I picked out the out-of-service leggings. Recently, in the past few years, there's been this really popular aesthetic of, like, glitch K or glitch Mm, fashion. Computer glitches and that really cool rainbow pixelation is -hmm. something that's gotten very popular. So the out-of-service collection features glitch colors and vivid shapes reminiscent of Atari-style video games and alternative music videos. I really like these because they're very bold and graphic, and they Mm -hmm. are very eye-catching, but you can easily dress them up or dress them down um, with other black clothing, or even just other colors that are in the the glitch colors that are there, the red, orange, green, blue Mm -hmm. colors. And here's someone that I've been following on Instagram forever. (laughs) (laughs) Now we have Bubblegum Girl. The owner of Bubblegum Girl is a full-time college student, part-time, and aspiring full-time artist based out of Florida. They specialize in illustrations that can be described as cutesy, sparkly, sugary, or pink. I really see the sugariness in this. I feel like all of these illustrations are as if someone ate a, you you know, like those colored sugars that some people put on top of like cupcakes? Yeah, yeah. It's like the sprinkle thing. Yeah, but not like sprinkles. It's like actual like granulated sugar. Yeah, sugar crystals. It's like someone just ate an entire bag of all of that and then threw it up. And I love it. And it looks so good. I yeah, absolutely the adore are this. so vivid. And I really like their character designs. Yeah, they're super cute. I think they even did like a drawing of Cyber Girl, if you follow them on Instagram. And then also did Cyber Girl's YouTube banner. Ooh, very yeah, cool. Yeah, so definitely follows the J fashion scene. Lots of differently coded characters as far as just race and skin tone and different things like that there's like decora characters and there's some like yami kawaii looking characters definitely a lot to choose from bubblegum girl also does fan art prints so Mm -hmm. if you are looking for specific fandoms like just looking on the prints there's doki doki literature club steven universe Mm -hmm. boku no hero academia Mm -hmm. so all sorts of really cool stuff So I picked out the Holographic Fashion Girls 11 by 17 poster. Now, who? oh my God, I am in love with this so much. It's an absolutely beautiful poster, horizontal, Mm -hmm. with five different characters made by Bubblegum Girl. And it ranges from like Alien Decora K to Fairy K to Yami. Exactly. Yeah. It is so cool. It is everything that I want in a fashion art piece. 
and mm-hmm. it has the bright rainbow colors. It has a rainbow in the background, and they're standing on these bubblegum pink clouds. One of them has roller skates, which yeah. is really cool. And again, all these characters are like differently coded in terms of race, mm-hmm. which is always great. We are always looking for more representation. And overall, the synergy between all of these characters is amazing. Yeah. Also, it's holographic. Who doesn't like some sparkliness? It looks like a sugary acid trip. And oh, I love yeah. it so much. I chose the strawberry milk keek. Uh, What's a keek? I don't know. <laughs> Someone tell us what a keek is. Yeah, send send those emails in. <laughs> yeah, I really liked it because like sometimes I like object illustration, especially strawberries. Yeah, and it's got a pink background with these like strawberries surrounding a strawberry milk carton. And on the milk carton, there's this extra cute strawberry in the middle that looks like it's kind of got an animal face in it. (laughs) A little, like, cat or something, yeah. So now hopping into our accessible kawaii finds for this month. So I haven't really done a whole lot of shopping for this month just because things have been extremely hectic and I don't have the time this month. But this particular item was gifted to myself and Kamila by Mm -hmm. our friend Jesse Moonheart. And I just started reading it, and it is such a really awesome book. So the book that we are talking about is called So Pretty, Very Rotten by Jane Mai and Anne Nguyen. The title comes from one of the popular lines in the movie Kamikaze Girls, Mm -hmm. where the main character says that she looks pretty, but her soul is actually really rotten inside. This book is like a combination of essays and comic essays written by these two authors and illustrators. Yeah. And it ranges from the basics of like, what are the basics? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. They have a couple of really, really, really cool illustrated lookbooks, which I love. The art is absolutely phenomenal in this book. So it ranges from the basics to very surreal comics. I just read one today where one of the authors like is struggling with art block and like she ends up cutting off a hand and tearing out one of her eyes in order to try to like inspire herself to keep going. And then it ranges to academic essays about socio-political economical issues within the J fashion community. So this book is fairly cheap ranging from depending on where you get it from, uh, whether it's like new or used and such, what form you get it from, whether it's an ebook or a physical mm-hmm. book, PDF, etc. But I highly recommend this book. It is so great and this is the first book that I've actually picked up and read in years. Oh my god. Yeah, cuz I <sighs> Compulsory reading in high school ruins reading so much. Ever since I was given The Great Gatsby to read or The Wizard of Earthsea, it was like, I don't want to read this anymore. I don't want to read anymore. And I've bought a few books over the years, but I've never picked them up unless it was required reading for school. So thank you to Jesse for giving me a book that I'm actually very interested, interested in. Reading, yeah. yeah, on my morning commutes now, instead of just scrolling Facebook, I'm pulling out my books and I'm actually reading, which is great. Reading's good for you kids. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah, it would be really cool for us to like read a few different like J fashion based comics and kind of just like talk about those things because yeah maybe that'd make a good panel or something maybe we'll get a book review in the future 
my pick was the Hot Topic Polly Pocket makeup release. Yeah, so they came out with a Polly Pocket eyeshadow palette. It looks like exactly like the toy, and then you open it up, and it has like these different really cute colors. Like the OG Polly Pocket toys, like the yeah. ones that actually fit into your pocket. pocket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My memories with Polly Pocket was me wanting them and me having this friend who had, like, so many of them in her basement but also was really stingy with them, like, don't touch them. And I'm just like, okay. See, <laughs> when Polly Pocket started to, like, get reimagined in the early noughties and they had, like, the plastic rubbery clothes, mm-hmm. those things were made to get the sleeves torn off. I tore off so many sleeves trying to get them on the Polly Pockets because they're so flimsy. I thought that was so cool about that. I was just like, oh, look, they're all gummy. Well, yeah, you know, it was the cool thing, and it made it easy to get on, but they were also, after a few years of wear, they are very easy to rip, and I, I ripped quite a few. And then they came up with a lot of other different items with this, too, like shirts and purses. So many different types of bags. Yeah. Ooh, for some reason, it's 20% off right now at Hot Topic. So if you guys want some easily accessible clothing or accessories, look to Hot Topic. I try not to promote Hot Topic too much, but this is a really cool collection. Yeah, I thought it was just, it really connected to like Fairy K and things like that. Spank K especially. Yeah, Spank K especially, yeah. Oh my goodness, now I'm looking at the tank top and I could see it with the black and white polka dot skirt Mm -hmm. and oh, I want to do this. I've been getting into Spank K more recently. Yeah, I've been wanting some Spank K-able items. So we'll see, maybe that's a look in the future. So before we get into our guest interview for this month, we did want to inform you all that there is going to be a bit of a change in format next month to OK Podcast. OK Podcast is only about two years old and two years in podcast time is still pretty young. Yeah, especially for a monthly podcast. We're not doing something every week. We don't have like 100 episodes out or anything. Exactly. So we are still very much a changing and developing podcast. And this is going to be one of the things that's going to be changed and developed. So we decided that in order to focus more on our guest interviews and be able to have a larger conversation, be able to do more research into our topics, that we are going to be moving the first half of our podcast onto our Facebook page. So our accessible finds, our Kawaii Spotlight, as well as our events are going to be moved onto Facebook. That way you guys are still getting content that we have brought you, but it's just gonna be in a different format. This will also give the ability for some more community contribution to the content that we post. So if you have your own shop that you would like to promote, feel free to message us on Facebook or send us an email and we'll look into it, see what we can do to promote you guys on our Facebook page. We wanna have more deep and in-depth discussion that doesn't overcrowd an episode since we do have this entire first part of our podcast. But we still feel that the first section of our podcast is very important and we still want to bring it to you guys so we're just gonna 
change it up a little and move it to a different format. Hey y'all, it's Hayden. It's Kamala. We talked a bit about how OK Podcast is a labor of love for us. Yes. Neither of us get paid to create this content and we make it because it's important and we love to do it. Yeah, doing this podcast does take a lot of time and a bit of money though. Because of that, we would like to tell you about our Patreon. If you become a monthly Patreon at any level, you'll get to contribute questions to our monthly guests. And if you donate at the $3 a month level, you'll gain access to our bonus patron content, which has special interviews with our guests. Like what it's like to be in a Garusa, switching styles, and tips on modeling in Japan. There's absolutely no obligation to become a patron whatsoever, but we would greatly appreciate it. So thank you so much, and now back to the show. Woo! On today's episode, we are going to be talking with Callie, a.k.a. Otaku Apparel, about the recent subject being mulled over in many people's mind, cultural appropriation of black culture in J-fashion. With a recent hairstyle of Haruka Kurobayashi's, many people in the J-fashion community have been conflicted to say the least. If you aren't aware, she recently sported a full head of braids, a look quite common in black culture and fashion, but not so much in white or East Asian culture and fashion. Some people were fine with it, some people were not. Other people felt it wasn't an odd gray area. We at OK Podcast feel that a deep discussion of the general background of Japanese people's feeling on black people is very important. This way, people can formulate their own opinion. One that's informed as well. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, doing so will inspire people to go about fashion in a more sensitive way to people who may be marginalized. So we brought on Callie because she's been able to view this topic in more ways than most Westerners do. Callie is a black, non-binary femme person who has lived in Japan for five years throughout her time in a high school. We felt that she would be able to give us insight as to why some instances of low-key and high-key cultural appropriation happen in Japan. We also hope to be able to form some sort of positive solution on how to breach and approach this subject to Japanese people. And we want to make it apparent This isn't going to be a be-all, end-all for Mm -hmm. cultural appropriation. None of us have the answer to that. Please just take it easy on us. We are just kind of like talking about it. Yeah. Hi, Callie. How are you today? We already had this talk. I'm kind of anxious, but I'm here and I'm happy to be on the show. Yes, I am too. I'm sorry that you're feeling anxious, but hopefully we can de-stress a little bit and distract with just a Yeah, by talking about a controversial subject. (laughs) Well, also, one that's a a safe space. We Mm -hmm. really want this. We want you to feel comfortable, and we want this to be a nice, hopefully a nice distraction for you. Yeah, Yeah, I I feel welcome and safe here for sure. That's good. I'm super glad. All right, so the first question that we have for you is, could you tell us a bit about your time in Japan? Why were you there? What did you enjoy? Et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so like this is the question that everyone asks as soon as I say I lived in Japan. So I have like a list in my head and it's going to sound super scripted and I'm so sorry. (laughs) But so I lived in Japan for five years. My mom taught military students like the kids of people in the military. Mm -hmm. So we were in Okinawa for a little bit and we were on the Yokota base for a little bit, which is a air force base that is in Fusa, which is kind of like a suburb 
of Tokyo. I usually use like Pearland to Houston as the metaphor, but I realize that you guys aren't from Houston, so it's not a good example. No, no. You know, I'm but, sure we have some Texas listeners as well, yeah. so those people can <laughs> They'll get it. They'll y'all. <laughs> Cowboys. Desu. Okay, but so Japan. Uh, one of my favorite things was the food because I'm like quietly a fat kid. I loved sushi when I was like eating it from Kroger and I loved it even more when I was getting it from an actual sushi restaurant. Mm. Um, takoyaki and katsudon are my two favorite foods. And I don't know if it's because I'm a weebu or because I was raised in Japan, you know? Yeah. Um, Hayden's doing like a, double dabs. Doing so many dabs that I'm just like... <laughs> There's like one restaurant in Houston that serves both. So I usually go there and I just order two meals and take one home because like I need my food. Yes. <laughs> That's such a great idea. <laughs> the food and definitely that was what really introduced me to Japanese fashion and anime. When I first moved to Japan, I was 11 and my main exposure to like Japanese pop culture was like Pokemon, Dragon Ball Z, mm-hmm. the American Power Rangers, and then Gwen Stefani and the Harajuku. Oh, yep. oh no, same. Oh no, right. And then Papiyami Yumi. That's yes. <laughs> so like they were all really interesting, but they were like this weird thing that like I wasn't really deep into. Mm-hmm. And then I got to Japan, and everything was like more in my face and readily available. And Okinawa, I'm not so sure now, but at the time, it actually had, like, a pretty big yaru scene. Oh, Um, that's awesome. And that introduced me to it. And I was like, whoa, this is cool. And people actually do this thing. And now there's, like, anime in my face everywhere. I go to the gas station and see Hatsune Miku. What's going on? (laughs) Like, it was really cool. One of so the, it definitely like lit a fire under my butt and made me start really getting into that type of stuff. One of the wildest things I experienced when in Japan was def- like what you said, Miku at the gas station. I um, bought Popi Po juice. You know that, that oh old no. video? And that's like that's like a highlight for me. Like I'm like, you know that video on YouTube with the girl with the green hair and the nasty juice? Well, I bought the juice and it was nasty. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I went to a 7-Eleven. And they had Hello Kitty folders that were free with purchase. And I was oh, like, cute. why do you have these? I'm taking 50. Thank <laughs> you. 7-Eleven has, like, really cool, like, collaborations a lot of times. Like, yeah. they have this Animal Crossing collaboration. It was, like, a lot of lottery stuff involved with it. But there was also, like, 7-Eleven stuff that you can download for DLC mm. for, for Animal Crossing the game. What? Wow. Like, Japan has the best things. I want to go home. I know. Like, <laughs> they're so into, like, embracing themes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And stuff where it's, like, America is all like, oh, we got to, like, <laughs> make sure the this is The only embracing things that we have is, like, branding colors. And then it's like, oh, McDonald's is red and yellow. Everything red and yellow. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Like, they don't really ever go outside of that. Meanwhile, we go to McDonald's in Tokyo, and there's, like, oh, you get all the Hello Kitty toys. Yeah. And you get the Hello kitty drink that's already flavored this way and like they just like integrated into like everything whereas like i don't i don't know why we don't do that in america they know the money <laughs> maker <we're> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so what sort of experiences did you have in japan in regards to you being a black person these can be negative positive or neutral okay so like this is a little weird and this is something that i wanted to talk about for sure mm-hmm. i don't think that i really experienced full-blown racism while Mm. I lived in Japan but it was a weird mixture of like 
Americans, especially when I lived in Okinawa, where yeah. um, there's a tension between Americans and like the Okinawans on the island because oh. like half of the land is American territory at that point. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of the people don't want us there. And Understandably. Like, there, there's protests and everything trying mm. to get Americans off of that island. So there were like stores that had signs like no Americans allowed. And wow. a lot of people would um, have this mentality of like, Either Americans were like money bags and they could get money out of us like a tourist or they were like mm. someone that you don't want to interact with because we were intruding on their land, which like, honestly, with the historical context, yeah. we kind mm -hmm. of were. Total un totally understandable. Not only did I have this like weird like, oh, these are Americans like Baka Gaijin, all of this idea. But then I had these interactions where people weren't looking down on me because I was black, but they were mm -hmm. like looking at me as like an exotic thing. Mm, yeah. Like it was like, oh, I don't see skin like this very often. So I'm going to like just touch them without their permission. And mm. like people would like reach out at my hair and stuff like that all the time. And it wouldn't be negative. Like they'd be like, ah, fua fua, like big hair, big hair, floppy and that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, but it's it was still, still uncomfortable. Yeah. Know? I think that like there definitely is some negative idea of black people in Japan just because the idea of like pale skin being more beautiful and dark skin mm -hmm. being negative, which definitely isn't as deeply instilled in the culture as it was, you know, decades ago, especially with Gyaru and other styles like that coming up. Mm -hmm. But it's still definitely something that's like in the social consciousness. And I don't think that I ever like felt directly looked down upon because of it, mm -hmm. but I felt the like tension behind it and like the idea that like, oh, I can't wear this because I'm not pale enough and that type of stuff a lot. Mm -hmm. Just like those, the low key microaggressions. That yeah, come yeah. Up. I spoke to like a few different other people who had experiences in Japan and in the J fashion community, and it seems like like this just goes in line with like what what I've heard from a lot of people their experiences of being like a lot of microaggression sort yeah. of I've actually heard a lot worse stories from my friends who are like half Japanese half black yeah, because that's... at that point they're like like they're called hafu and there's like a whole negative connotation to that mm -hmm. and I almost because think you, that because at that point they are Japanese and so now yeah. they have to be they're, they have to meet a standard they have to meet that standard mm -hmm. whereas I and feel like, one of my friends was originally going to a Japanese school and like transferred to the American school because like she felt like she was being bullied there. And I think those issues mm. are a lot more serious, but definitely something that was like in the back of my mind when I was starting fashion and those types of things, you know. So going off of that, from your experience, how do you feel Japanese people generally view black people? Now this, like, just to clarify, this is a very large generalization. This is by no means everyone in Japan. It's complicated for sure because it kind of goes to like the whole, this is what Americans are. And there's definitely a Japanese stereotype of like the blonde haired, blue eyed baseball American. Mm -hmm. So... That's kind of what they expect when you see like most foreigners, I guess. And when you look at a lot of people who live in Japan and are either Eastern or from North America, that's kind of what they look like, too. That said, I've seen a lot more racism in like countries like Korea than I have actually mm. seen in Japan. And it seems more of a these features aren't as attractive versus this race is lower. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like as disrespectful, but definitely still uncomfortable. 
Right. Yeah. So it yeah. it, it kind of comes down more to like beauty standards yeah, as opposed yeah, to race. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's a uh, like we are better or anything as much as it's like, oh, this person doesn't fit into our standards of beauty. Mm. Either way you slice it, it still sucks. I mean, still, yeah, definitely. But I, I think that like, you know, I've had white people call me way worse things than I've had Japanese people call me that type of thing for sure. Yeah, it's a different history with that interaction between mm-hmm. races. So it comes from a definitely a different point of view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, and a lot of it seems like it comes more from ignorance as opposed to like outright malice. Yeah, that, that's, that's a great way to word it. Like, you just put everything into perspective with me. <laughs> when I when, ha- when I do verbalize, it can be really, really great. Yeah, other times, so good. No, other times <laughs> my words are bad. <laughs> oh, you mean me 24-7. Okay. <laughs> there is no doubt that there have been very negative examples of appropriation of black culture in Japan. For example, Bigaru, BK. However, in other instances, like Haruka Kurobayashi's braids, they fall into a gray area. Some black folk in the community were okay with it, some were not, and others were neutral or iffy. Let's explore all of these viewpoints, including yours, Callie, and I'm going to read some excerpts that I've pulled from, like, other black listeners that have been involved in the J fashion scene in Japan. We've got... A response from someone asked them about what they felt about Haruka's hairstyle. And their response was, I don't really have much to say on the topic aside from how many Japanese people actually have no idea what box braids stand for and just view it as a cool hairstyle. I'm not condoning it. Actually, I unfollowed someone else I admired because I couldn't stand seeing them do it all the time. And seeing Haruka's post made me sigh, but she's probably just 100% unaware. Of course, there are definitely people that know, but many Japanese people are not educated on these types of issues at all. And the ones in J fashion aren't any different. When you live in the U.S. or Europe, you're exposed to many social issues related to black people. But in Japan, barely anyone knows shit about black people aside from our existence and the black aesthetic. To go on the whole hair comment, um, one of their experiences was my doormates were shocked about my natural hair because they had never seen it before. When I told them it grew out of my scalp like this, they were <laughs> speechless before saying it made me look like I was probably really good at dancing. What? 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 Yeah. Wait. So I'm just I thought like, it was going to be like, oh, you're a cloud or something like that. No, yeah. Good at dancing. Good at dancing. Which is just like. It's those weird, like, stereotypes yeah. that get yeah. put out into the world because they are they have such limited experience um, mm. with black people. And then they recently added a photo of their freshly washed hair on their Instagram story. And one of their friends replied with, oh, my God, did you get a perm? That's so cute. Your hair is so fluffy now. She didn't know that black people didn't have straight hair. And when they showed her different hair textures, she had never heard of anything 3A hair passed oh wow before in her life it's crazy like how little exposure they get then, yeah you know? for a lot of people not to even know that what our natural hair, hair does that. yeah like hair can do that naturally i've seen videos it's outside of j fashion but i've seen videos of japanese people getting their hair made to be yeah you've really, seen those too yeah yeah like when they like 
glue the tracks on and then like cut it into like a bald fade i those blow my mind i don't know how i've to seen feel about people do either. a thing where they like manipulate the hair in a way it's not like a perm but they do some sort it's of like, like really tiny really tiny t- yeah really tiny bantu knots yeah. just to do that and i'm just I like i forgot about that and i just had like whiplash of a memory <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so to them maybe they think that's what we do <laughs> which oh, is just like huh. no <laughs> but i'm sitting here just like i i i understand to a degree but it's like how can you not even how like, can you be so removed yeah like have you just like never seen i i i mean i guess they haven't like I mean, just seen a so black like, person with natural hair see, yeah most of the time that i see black people in japanese media they're usually black men with shorter hair so maybe they're just not used to seeing like textured hair grown out past like three inches and mm-hmm. that's why yeah i don't know and then i have a response from someone And then I have a response from someone very involved in the J fashion community there. And they said, I don't really see it as cultural appropriation. I'm sorry, cultural appropriation has been lost in translation. It's when someone takes something and doesn't credit the culture and claims it as their own invention and then makes profit from it. It's hair. She looked extremely cute in them and she had them for like a month. I agree it wasn't the best style for her thin bleached hair, but at the end of the day, it's hair. As someone who's always been hated on for wearing wigs and contacts and all sorts of things because I'm black, seeing that post of people who have been through the same as me pulling down someone over hair. Like to me, hair is hair. Fashion is fashion. Style is style. Let people enjoy it. If Haruka was a racist, it'd be way different. And then they just continue to say that. But that's just me, you know, this is my opinion and things like that. But yeah, in their opinion, it wasn't cultural appropriation. And they added that there are way worse appropriation things going on than someone's hair, like blackface and companies, big companies stealing from other cultures and making profit with no credit to where it originally came from. Yeah, she definitely makes a point. I think that the like term cultural appropriation has actually really been evolving in the last mm-hmm. like decade or so too because yeah. the term I don't I don't remember it started off in like the 70s or something like that but it originally just meant like when one culture starts taking in or like participating in a activity or a tradition or something like that from another culture so like us eating mashed potatoes Mm-hmm. instead of just Irish people like that was considered appropriation at the time and those types of things but um within like the last couple of years we've been changing the definition to fit this idea of it's when someone takes from a culture and then profits or benefits off of it somehow like when I try to like identify what's cultural appropriation I kind of right. look at it like is it the colonizer taking from what they've colonized or is it something that's like kind of been shared throughout the world or somewhere in between and that's kind of why I'm having an issue with Haruka because it's not like the Japanese have done anything to Africa or they've done anything to black people in general Mm -hmm. it's like we're kind of on equal ground and that's why it's hard for me to come to a conclusion for it yeah I granted I am Hispanic and white and I have yeah no real credible (laughs) opinion on this I personally am I'm kind of more on the negative leaning side just Mm -hmm. because of how ignorant Japanese people are. Yeah. It's like it makes me uncomfortable, but I can't bring myself to be like 
angry. Yeah, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. exactly. Where it's like, oh, like you don't even know where that's from, but you're yeah. doing it. But you also don't know that you're doing it. So, yeah. and it's like really hard to address that. Whereas, like, say a cosplayer does blackface to try and like fit some so, sort yeah, of no, character like or yeah. something. Like, we no, can, we stop. Like, yeah, that's not what we do. <laughs> exactly. And like, and we can address that person head on. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like you know this. You know this is wrong. And also, we can speak the same language, so you're right. going to be able to read this. Also really rough. Yeah. yeah, and there's like a point for us to be able to start in the conversation with them. Whereas mm-hmm. with someone from Japan, and then there's there's the language barrier. There's not to mention that it's these words that are like relatively new in the English language and probably don't have a Japanese translation. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you'd have to be like. Kurochuru, <laughs> yeah, like what is that? Like we'd have to have some sort of like someone who's like know. super fluent super in Japanese, fluent. yeah, right. super fluent in Japanese that know how to have these conversations and know where to start culturally. Think about it like this analogy that has happened in Japan, and right. it's kind of like that. Whereas we don't have something to like really bounce off of. Mm-hmm. One problem I feel is there is that if we even start to talk about it, though, there's a lot of backlash from Americans and or other Westerners being like, "No, you should never talk about this. Just and leave it alone. Just leave it the alone." Whole context of like us getting offended way too easily and stuff like that. Yeah, I was one of the first people who like brought up the whole braids thing. And I wasn't like, this is bad. I'm canceling my hero. Blah, blah, blah. I was just like, this is kind of uncomfy. How do people feel about that? But I still got backlash of like being considered an SJW and I shouldn't have brought it up in the first place and that type of stuff. My main ish with it, and that's kind of the new, that's what I call everything now. That's a complicated ish. feeling. <laughs> I, I'm stealing that. I'm appropriating this term. <laughs> well, my main ish with the whole thing was that mm-hmm. after the fact, after the braids were out, she called. She took it out and called it an ass. Yes. Yeah. Oh that was, yeah. I I read the, the katakana and I was like, <sighs> Yeah. Oh, I know what that means. Officially posted it. I think it was like on her story. Yeah, yeah. Mm But it was still super uncomfortable. Like, yeah, ugh. I'm just like, you can't oof, oof. do that. That's some, That reminds me of something a white person would do, like... When they put on, like, the black, like, charcoal mask or something, and they're like, yeah. ha I'm black, those types of things. <sighs> well, that would be, like, super worse. I'm glad that didn't happen. Oh, oh yeah. it has, it has. <laughs> there, oh, my God. Yeah, there was, a, there was a white gal at a college who... Oh, no, her, I mean, like, oh, that, like, that Haruka didn't do that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, no, that would have been, like, super worse. God. I would have ripped the poster off of my wall. Um, yeah, I would have had to, because I've met Hardika before, and she's so nice. And I feel like, you know, with my friends, I have friends that are different races and things like that from, like, high school or something. In high school, you don't know everything. So somebody would say something insensitive, and then I'd have to go and talk to them and be like, hey, that's actually wrong. <laughs> and then yeah. they'll be like, oh, okay, um, I that see. That is not correct. <laughs> because they were to the encyclopedia of... Sorry, I love that line. (laughs) According to my calculations, that's problematic. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm just like, and then like there were people who would understand and react accordingly. Mm. And so like I feel like, oh, if 
someone was able to talk to Haruka, I feel like she would understand or something. I think she would definitely at least listen. Like, at least I don't, listen, yeah. I don't think that she had any malicious intent with it yeah. whatsoever. I think it was just like kind of being oblivious to the cultural context of box braids and like, you know, how much we go through with protective stylings and everything yeah. like that. And I feel that with the with the story post that she did with calling her hair an afro, afro yeah. I feel that that also puts out a miscommunication to her Japanese fans because then they're going to look at black people with afros and with natural hair and they're going to go, oh, they have that because they had their braids in. It's like, yeah, no, that's yeah. not how I've it happens. Seen, well, okay, I'm trying to think of like any other context, but I don't think I've ever seen an afro like in Japanese media that isn't portrayed as a humorous thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like in cartoons when the person gets shocked by lightning and now their hair is big, usually in like Japanese cartoons and comics and stuff, that's an afro. Or yeah. like, you know, someone turns around and they have a big fluffy afro wig on and it's ha ha ha, their hair looks weird. Yeah, they I don't think, think it's I... like a part of like eccentric fashion or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I very rarely, I'm trying to think, I think I've like seen like a couple like black anime characters who have had actual like textured ethnic hair mm -hmm. and other than that it's always been portrayed as something that's like funny and outlandish and I think that that's what she was doing when she posted the story mm -hmm. but it's still really uncomfortable like that's my hair you're talking about their friend yeah, yeah. like exactly. it's not it's not a punchline yeah. yeah and then to bring us into our next question, I have a excerpt from Shani, who said, I always embraced the Gaijin Garu label or Black Garu label, but it makes a lot of people in the Western community uncomfortable. Garu was one of the few substyles that emphasized a lifestyle rather than fashion for the day. As such, you don't often hear Gaijin Lolita or black decor. Gairu pitched a lifestyle, maybe not one with a fantastic reputation for being classy, but a sense of freedom and fun. Some reasonably think we're wearing the same clothes. We have the same makeup. I can do powder powder. You don't specify your race in other styles, so why aren't we the same? But we don't have the same history. If you can't accept that you aren't exactly the same as Japanese Garu, you're always going to be disappointed. And on some level, I think it's disrespectful. I'm not the same as Japanese Garu. We don't have the same roots. The blonde hair, the tan skin, the long lashes and bold colors are a direct protest against the Yamato Nadashiko ideal East Asian woman. We don't have that expectation over our heads. We aren't making that political statement. It's just not the same. Does that mean we can't relate to each other? Does that mean we can't be friends or connect with each other? Absolutely not. Especially being a black girl from America, the feeling of accepting myself as beautiful on my terms outside of the status quo was very empowering for me. I'm forever thankful to Japanese Gauru for showing me that. Although we always found it easy to talk to and communicate with Japanese Gauru, there was this underlying uncomfortable feeling that we were seen as a prop or something to show off rather than as a genuine friend to a lot of Japanese Gauru that we spent time with. The idea of being the exotic foreign friend who loves Garu, how crazy, never interested me. 
But I think as social media became more centralized, pretty much everyone is on Instagram and Twitter rather than being divided by single language websites. It's much easier now to connect and make more meaningful friendships with Japanese people interested in fashion and interested in collaborating. That's really interesting. I, yeah. I barely dipped my toe into Gyaru, so I. Like, I have an idea of, like, what the cultural meaning to it is,、mm-hmm. but I didn't really experience much as a person who wears gyaru as a gyaru because、right. I have, like, one dress that I bought when I was, like, 12, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but that said, the whole idea of, like, being this prop foreigner is、yeah. definitely something that I've seen, like, outside of the gyaru society as well. Yeah.、Um, It's like being the token gay best friend. Yeah, yeah, right. right. Like, it's, it's even in America now that you mention it. Yeah,、right. definitely.、Mm-hmm. I, I think I was like, the token black person at my yeah, school. Yeah, yeah.、Sure. I was just going to say it's like being the, the token minority.、Mm-hmm. I've seen it happen in like clothing brands too. Like we were talking before about like BK and b i g a r u and that type of stuff. The brand Baby Shoop, they seem to go out of their way to find black or mixed models、yeah. because. That's the idea that they want to give off, and they want to have this whole, like, I don't、Ooh. know. It, it seems.、Uh, Ooh, our next question almost, will totally、oh, yeah. be great to talk about this brand with. So, our next、hey. question is Why is cultural appropriation something that still needs to be discussed in regards to J fashion? And Baby Shoop is still, is still a brand. It's still relevant.、Yeah. <laughs> it's still relevant, and it's、um, sometimes connected with Garu even today. I know that they shared. A picture of one of the Chicago Garu in their Instagram. So they're still an active brand、mm. and it's still something that's kind of like, as far as when I asked some Garu about, like, oh, how do people feel about Baby Shoop? It's kind of like a the only way that maybe someone would wear it is maybe only if they are black, if, they, if someone wears it、um, mm. in America. But it's definitely just like,、uh, like, try to maybe stay away from it. But it does have some things, some of their clothing might be able to appeal to Amikaji, or sometimes they have、yeah. the metal belts and it could appeal to like Agejo and things like that. So, for those of you who aren't aware, Baby Shoop is a J Fashion brand, and their slogan is Black for Life. And their icon features a silhouette of a black woman's face and an afro and big hoop earrings. Yeah. And. Mm. Oof, 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 my bones. It's very uncomfortable. It's a big ish. It's a big ish. I'm using that word now. Yeah. <laughs> And like you said, they do go out of their way to feature black models, but it's also like, where do we draw the line? It、right. doesn't seem like they're featuring black models because they want to represent them. It seems like they want to feature black models because black models fit better into the baby shoot brand. And that's their aesthetic. Right. Like their aesthetic is someone else's ethnicity. It reminds me of the、mm-hmm. black fishing girls on Instagram.、Mm, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Where girls are like racially coding themselves as different、mm-hmm. races and they、right. are making themselves racially ambiguous for fancy clout points. Well, it seems like from like what I was like looking at, they didn't always even feature. 
black models or hafu models it used to be only japanese models but still catering towards this like black is life brand aesthetic especially right, since they were weird. established in 1995 before oh black in- for life i was wrong but still yeah, yeah, but they were they were created established in 1995. This was before it, the internet was a thing and before mm-hmm. they understood or were able to find black models. Right, right. Yeah. So I'm like I I would love to read more about like what is their mission? Like what do what do how do they describe how do the designers describe their brand and what it means and stuff like that? Yeah. I I think that would add a lot of context to what they're trying to do but i feel like the slogans like i'm just like if you could just if you could just take down that those slogans <laughs> yeah like and change your your logo i remember <laughs> a couple years ago this might have just been a year ago i don't even know anymore but sometime in the past i saw a documentary that was like they were talking about bk but they were calling it gadu which like made a lot of headlines and made people very angry but in that the girls that they were interviewing were basically being like oh i find dark skin beautiful and i think that this curly hair is so amazing and those types of things where it almost sounded positive if you didn't think about it for more Mm -hmm. than three seconds but then afterwards it seems like like they're fetishizing black people and i think that's what bk goes down to and that's kind Mm -hmm. of what be, I mean, baby Shoop. I almost called them B Shoop. Um, <laughs> I think that's what Baby Shoop does as well, where it's like the clothes could be cute if it wasn't very obviously trying to make money off of and trying to fetishize the black race and like what it means to be black. You so, know? and this so, is so Kamila. Yeah. Kamila. Ah! Every time I tried to find their website, it did not work, but. So Kamala brought up the fact that she wanted to know what the owners of Baby Shoop wanted to say about their brand. And I went on their website and put it through Google Translate just now. Oh, yikes. It's yikes. Okay, so granted, this is through Google Translate, so some things are going to be a little iffy. Like sound weird or something. But the meaning is still there. (laughs) So this is direct quote from the Baby Shoop brand website. Uh, um, There's nothing better than the real thing. Black, they say, is unique, pretty, and the basic. So let's keep the tradition real with black fashion. Black matches everything and makes a strong statement. Black is beautiful. Baby Shoop's theme is, quote, black for life. The root of Baby Shoop fashion is black is beautiful. Everything starts here. It is brand fashion made for the beautiful black race. In parentheses, black girl, black woman, and parentheses. Therefore, you know, wait, just this. I'm just getting started, man. <laughs> oh, this next uh, sentence is going to get you fired. <laughs> Therefore, Baby Shoop's concept does not change even if the trend of the world is changing. Black race style. <sighs> even in the 21st century, Baby Shoop has a meaning insisting that it does not change. Black for life equals black forever. So, so it, it doesn't look like they're gonna back down from that anytime it soon. It is extremely <laughs> obvious that they are that they are taking a stereotyped black I'm... aesthetic <laughs> and they are treating a black cultural 
stereotype as a fashion style. And yeah. that is not okay. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't even put it into words. Like I'm like, I, I tried to give them a little bit of hope when it was first going on. Cause I was like, Oh, well maybe they mean the color black. Maybe they started off a little Gothic and a little edgy. Oh. No, that's a different no, type of edgy. No, brand. no, like, no. <laughs> and the thing is they said we are for black girls. Then mm-hmm. why is it that half of your Instagram are Japanese women. Well, right, right. Hafu or black. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I like, can't tell who maybe I mean, is Hafu or not. Yes. Okay. That is you know. that is valid. Very right. valid. And not only that, but when you think about it, there probably aren't any full black models that would like to model for Baby Shoop anyway. Oh no, there's full black yeah. models um Oof. on their Instagram. I mean, it and it. I try to compare it to say Dolls Kill. Dolls Kill does uses a lot of brands that seem like it's biting off of like black fashion or black culture and things mm-hmm. like that. And they still don't use use many models that are black at all. Yeah. For, you know, any Dolls Kill is like a whole can of worms. Yeah, yeah. Dolls Kill is a whole can of worms and I'm just like comparatively they have they have, at least me looking on their Instagram, they have a lot of melanin. In the different photos, they they have, like, a few different... Yeah, it but seems... is it tanning bed melanin? No. Or is it... Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know for the people who, like, look Japanese. Yeah. No, I don't for the see, pe- like, a there's a lot of mixed models there, though. Yeah, so I'm just, like, I'm not sure about that. But I, I saw a lot of, you know, dark skin models on mm-hmm. their Instagram, but I'm not comparatively to yeah, like say a doll's kill Instagram. That, yeah, there's one specific model that shows up pretty often. Yeah, and um, she looks to be full black, but like there's like a Japanese flag in her Insta bio, so yeah, I'm not so, so I'm sure. Not but like, so still, sure. they there is some form of representation, but it kind of goes back to are they, you know, are they using black models As because like, they want the black models to make them look good or is it because they want to make the black models look good you know yeah exactly is it like an exoticism of just like ooh, we have like black people modeling like don't you want to look black well i appreciate you giving these women or these models work Mm -hmm. and stuff and you know there's nothing on their website like saying who the founders are whether these are like full Japanese women or if they might be half Japanese half black Mm. or anything you know I would be willing to give them some leeway if they were half black yeah I definitely think so too yeah but there is no information there is that assumption of these are just Japanese women. Yeah. And like, yeah, you know, difficult. once they've been around since before I was born. Yeah. So someone's definitely brought this issue up to them before in yeah. some form of context. And they still like from their mission statement basically said like the world might be changing, but we're not. Yeah. So, <laughs> like they, the, the way the mission statement was like written, even though it was gone through Google Translate. Yeah. So it may have come off like more direct and more crass. Yeah obviously shows that someone's brought up the issue before and they're definitely bringing up race like so they feel like like, they're defending themselves in it you know yeah and i feel that with 
just the existence of this brand. And I, there are people out there who like Baby Shoop as evidence of their existence still here. There yeah. are probably black people who enjoy Baby Shoop. Yeah, I've yeah. looked at um, I looked at a blog of someone who was talking about, um, I'm a black woman who went to Japan and here are my experiences. And I saw like their opinion of it. And it's just like, yeah, it's sort of weird. But, you know, who can fault? Black is beautiful. I mean, yeah, that is true. And, and then, like, some of the comments on the blog post were kind of talking about that, too. Like, well, what's wrong with saying that? And so I'm just like, yeah. I, The main okay. thing that gets me is that they're trying to promote this this aesthetic that is not theirs. And they are. I was just they thinking are, about that. And they are profiting off of it. Like we yeah. said before, mm-hmm. they're profiting off of something that's not theirs. Yeah. That's what I was about to say is, like, they come off as like a bad ally. Yeah. You know, where like mm-hmm. they're they're trying to be like, oh yes, black is beautiful, but they're going about it the wrong way by speaking yeah. over people and making profit over it off of it instead of, you know, helping out other black businesses or something else that they could have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, once again, this is a business that's been around for, you know, more than twenty years, so who knows? I was gonna say the mere existence of this brand, I think, mm-hmm. shows that cultural appropriation in some degree, is still happening in J-Fashion. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And they still have shirts that, like, say their slogan and stuff on it and Japanese people wearing that shirt. And so I'm just like, ugh. Like, they do have some other items that, like, placed out of context of their brand, I wouldn't recognize as being like, oh, this is some weird, you know, cultural appropriation thing. I'm just like, oh, okay, this is a shirt that has Betty Boop on there. You know, it's like nothing to really say about the design of their clothes. Like, it's not bad looking. Yeah, it's it's, some of their stuff is like mildly cute for sure. Yeah. But but it's just like like when you think about who you're buying from, you're like, oh. Yeah, looking into it big picture in the in the context makes mm-hmm. it really iffy. My yeah. my main like weirdness with this was that in one of their Instagram pictures, yes, my main ish. Well, it, it's not the main, main ish, but one of my other ishes, my ish. uh, my side ish, um, <laughs> instead of a side dish. Yeah. <laughs> my side ish was that on their Instagram they had like a model who was very obviously a child mm-hmm. wearing a baseball cap with a marijuana leaf on it. Yeah. And I was what? like, why are you, I don't care if you like weed. I don't care if you like weed paraphernalia. I don't care if you like drug paraphernalia on your fashion, but don't market it towards children, please. Yeah, definitely. That is not okay. Japanese people know what weed is. It isn't like that's just some weird symbol that they think looks cute. Yeah. yeah. Like I was going to understand that for a hot second. I was like, do they like have weed culture in Japan? And I was like, it's a drug. Of course they do. Like all drugs. Drugs are international. Of yeah, course they yeah, have weed yeah. culture. What am I saying? And Ugh. I'm just like, is it just not the same? Do they just use different symbols and they don't know that that leaf? But I'm just but like, a leaf is a leaf. If a leaf is a leaf, right. Oh, yes. There's so many things wrong with this. <laughs> so our patron, Cora Maria, hi Cora, said... I would like to ask Callie and Kamila how they like to incorporate their African and African-American heritage and traditions into their designs and fashion styles. They are also curious to know your guys' thoughts on the prevalence of lighter skin tones on nearly every top T-shirt or yeah. sweaters 
featuring some kind of person in the illustration. What do you guys think about like lighter skinned people prevalent in J fashion art? I think that recently within the Western community, we have been seeing way more and more black people and darker skinned people being drawn in kawaii art because mm-hmm. we have noticed this for sure. Mm-hmm. Which also kind of gets this weird connotation where sometimes I feel like artists are providing art of kawaii black people performatively. Like they're mm, like, oh, well, pandering. people like this. So pandering, right. Like they're doing it because that's what we want versus mm-hmm. they're doing it because they realize that we need representation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That said, there are artists like me and Kamila and Kiara from Sugar yeah. East and Yeah, I was and just going to say. <laughs> she, she's my big fave. Like, yeah. I, I, I want to be Kiara when I grow up. But, <laughs> Another um, one that we didn't mention in this episode, but I we should hear, is Adorned by Chi. Adorned by Chi. I met yeah. her at a convention and worked with her, and she's the sweetest possible bean. Yeah. We, like, drank sake together, and I was like, oh, my God, you're wonderful. <laughs> Not necessarily <laughs> A J, J fashion, fashion, but very much J fashion adjacent. Kawaii yeah, ka- yeah, kawaii anime adjacent. Yeah, caters to black people, fills in that gap that yeah. we need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's That's like what... Happy Monster. There's yes. Sweet Bits Apparel. There's like there's all, all you know. <laughs> yeah, there's there's so many people, and I'm just gonna like quietly plug list but like we're all about to make a video for lovely lore where we talk about yes. black history month and y'all should check that out because i'm really excited for mm-hmm. it it's not even my project and i'm like yes yeah yeah it's gonna be fun like i, I want to see like who else makes videos and stuff it's just gonna be like surprise this person surprise that person i don't know <laughs> yeah i almost actually mentioned you in my video and i was like wait that might be really weird and meta and i don't want to like <laughs> yeah because like i don't because i don't know how to like i don't know what order anything is coming in so mm-hmm. i'm just like oh as you saw with this person oh wait i don't know where this person <laughs> is in the yeah, list of videos sure. i mean i'm super late so i'm probably going to be towards the end <laughs> But we are talking about black people and like kawaii art and anime art and that type of stuff. I think that there are artists like me and Kamila and Kiara and Happy Munsta and so many other businesses like that who are not making the art because people want it. We're making the art because we want it and we never saw mm-hmm. people who looked like us on those types of t-shirts and that type of stuff. Yeah. And I have also very often heard the excuse, especially when it comes to like clothing and t-shirts with people on it. Well, brown isn't a pastel color, so it won't mm-hmm. fit the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Which they're literally is pastel brown. One, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, just yeah. deal with it. Two, there is pastel brown, and I think if, right. like, please right. correct me if I yeah. am wrong or if I this is not okay. About. But if no, you yeah. lighten another character's skin tone, like a white character's you skin tone, you can be saturated, and yes. then it's yeah. pastel. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't exactly. Need to be pale to be pastel. Yeah, right. It does. Yeah, exactly. And I've seen that Shiroi room story room yeah yeah they do that in some of their shirts and stuff too there's the recent controversy of nintendo and sanrio oh um, did you mean that thing that i started the drama about oh it's, it's real oh i've seen other people post it i didn't even see you post it but uh, i was one of the first people who started the outrage with it good I, i'm jokes on you i'm very angry about everything <laughs> If our listeners don't know, Sanrio and Nintendo paired up to mm-hmm. make chibi plushies of their two characters. Splatoon. Yeah, and from S- yeah. Pearl and Maria. Ma- Mariana. Oh, okay. Marina? Marina. Marina. Okay. Sorry. I, I don't play the game, so I don't know. <laughs> Nor do I. But Marina was whitewashed as fuck. 
like I can understand yeah. like oh, okay you like did it a few shades just it's to like, make it like into yeah that but it was like too yeah. light. It was um, straight up white. Actually, some official art of like when they announced the collaboration mm-hmm. that looks perfectly fine. Like it's like Marina is a little bit lighter, but like in some of her concept art, she was drawn lighter before they like finalized her design. Mm-hmm. And it's like putting on someone on a filter or something. Like yeah, it just looks like, like oh, a black like... person on a filter. Okay, but not... right, like black people complain all the time or at least black people in the kawaii community mm-hmm. where like with snow filters snow filters make us look paler oh because my gosh yeah. make japanese look paler yeah i'm not gonna get pissed off because you post a photo with a snow filter mm-hmm. but instead what we got was like the marina plushie it was like the pearl plushie who's already a pale character was stark white and then marina was like the color of a normal white person and, yeah. and still pretty pale yeah thankfully there's been like some recent updates and it looks like all of the photos that were taken that were like sneak previews and stuff Mm -hmm. were actually super filtered and she came off a lot paler than she should have been okay like the some of the official photos look a lot better and like are worth me considering buying again Mm -hmm. but there was still this huge outrage where people were pissed off because other people were saying this makes me uncomfortable and I looked up to Marina because she was a black character where there aren't very many black characters and that type of stuff and people basically responding with like you sensitive SJW it's just a plushie get over yourself and that type of stuff representation matters yes right right and then Cora, as a little reminder, also asked about how and if you guys incorporate your African or African-American heritage into your fashion. Personally, I don't really interact with my African heritage as much just because I'm so generationally disconnected from it. Mm-hmm. Like I have friends that, you know, are know that they are of Nigerian descent and that type of stuff. But like when it comes down to it, both on my mother's side and on my father's side, we were slaves and I don't know where I came from. And I can do like ancestry.com or something, but but they sell your but it's still yeah, but it's still not gonna be like a a daily connection to it. Like someone who grew up in the culture. Right. It's not the same connection to the culture. On the other hand, when it comes to black culture, I mean one of the main reasons that I started doing what I was doing even before I made the clothing brand Mm -hmm. I was trying to be a role model and show that black people wear what we wear and show that we exist a lot of the things that I wear casually I grew up in like a lower income household and that type of stuff Mm -hmm. and definitely as a child was like ew ghetto fab is bad and now that I'm an adult I'm like ghetto fab is awesome yeah exactly So when it comes to like my more casual looks, they definitely do tend to play into that. And like I get most of my decor clips from the hair store and yeah. I wear do rags when I want to and mm-hmm. that type of stuff. And I always, 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 if I'm not wearing a wig, which basically means that my hair looks bad underneath that day, mm-hmm. um, I try to show off my curls or wear a protective style that is Afrocentric or something like mm-hmm. that. Because it used to be, at least before in the Black Kauai community, it'd be like, this person is Black, but they're still like perming their hair and doing all these types of things that are not intrinsically bad. But Mm -hmm. it was still like we weren't seeing a full Blackness in the Kauai community. We were just seeing Black with Eurocentric beauty standards still put on top of it. Right, right. It's happy for me to answer the two questions. So I guess I'll go back to the first part of it with like the heritage and traditions and stuff. Same with not knowing about my African roots because of, hello, slavery. 
Oh. And <laughs> yeah, so I don't really know about that part of it. The history that I do know is more recent and is more about people in my family being the first black people to do certain things and standing out in their careers and standing up for themselves and things like that. So those are stories that I know for myself. And it kind of put a will inside me of like, oh, well, just because I don't see anybody doing this thing doesn't mean I can't do it. I don't know. It just made me like have that confidence of just like, even when like I see something and like, oh, doesn't seem like any black people are doing this. I should do it. I should do it. Yeah, you know? I the opposite in my like early teen years where I was like, I don't see black people do this, so I guess I'm not allowed to. That's why I'm so happy that we have so many role models now that fight against that idea and say like, no, black people do this and you should too. Yeah, mm-hmm. like and I didn't even... Kamila, you were like one of those inspirations that made me start Aww. my clothing brand low-key. Like, Aww. it's really important to me. <laughs> I realized I never ever like told you that and I was like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like really nice to hear. Like, I don't think I really was like started hard decora with the sole purpose of something that I don't see black people doing or something like that. It's kind of like I realized later on, like, oh, there aren't a lot of black people who do decora, that specific mm. style. Yeah. And I didn't even like really realize that because like, I kind of just assumed that, oh, there's black people doing these things. I just haven't seen them. I'm not following enough. I wasn't totally in the J fashion community in the beginning. I was just starting by myself looking at pictures that I just found off Tumblr. And then Mm. through becoming more a part of the community aspect of it, I'm just like, oh, okay, this is like actually hard for a lot of people to do. And like hearing different people's experiences and seeing that like, oh, actually, like I'm not finding more Decora (laughs) black people. Like I thought there were people existing that I just didn't know about so much. Why is that? And I think a lot of black people have this concern about color and like mm-hmm. that colors don't look good on me. That doesn't so look often. good on people me. People even like comment on my official like clothing brand statuses sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'll post a photo of me in pastels and they'll be like, oh, you pull it off, but it won't look good on me. Yeah, like, and I'm just like, why? Yeah. We're the same shade. <laughs> I, 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 I went to a health clinic a month ago, and this is when my hair was still pink. And there was a black woman who was at the front desk. She was like, oh, I love your hair, but I don't think I'd be able to pull it off. It doesn't really match my skin tone. I was like, I, I mean, I didn't want to like get into like a whole thing of like, oh, that's like internalized racism. Because, yeah. you know, that's not my place. Yeah. But yeah. I was like, you know, you never know. I, In my opinion, like I think everyone should try it once. And I hope that just that like gave her a little bit of courage. Yeah, not to mention that there is like a concept in the black community that colored hair on black people is considered ghetto and that's something that you usually see on people who are over sexual or they're Mm -hmm. like trying to be like this idea of ghetto fab and therefore Mm -hmm. they should be looked down upon and that type of stuff as well so it's not even just this won't look good on my skin tone but it's like if it did look good on my skin tone people would think i was a hoe which is dumb i mean be a hoe whatever But the fact that it's only one type of person that Mm -hmm. will do this thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So as far as like putting my African-American heritage into it, I'm really inspired by people like Left Eye from TLC, Missy Mm -hmm. Elliott and Aaliyah. And those were black people who were dressing eccentrically, but I didn't know like what style is this or whatever. But when I saw J fashion and the way that I want to wear it, 
I pull from those role models of how they put things together. And so I try to just mix those two things together. Like Aaliyah had baggy pants and the crop top. When Um, you said Aaliyah, I immediately imagined like two or three outfits that she's worn. And I've been like, yes, that's Aaliyah. You're right. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just like, oh, like what if Aaliyah was into decor? (laughs) (laughs) That's my basic thought for like the core of my hard decor sort of style. And then for the second question of the prevalence of lighter skin tones, yeah, like I definitely want to make clothes with a lot of black characters on them so that people who are not black will see that as normal. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be black to wear a black character on your shirt. I've been asked that question so often too, where it's like, oh, am I allowed to wear clothing even though I'm not black? And it's like, well, I'm wearing a shirt with a white person on it. What's the difference? Yeah, I haven't had, like, when I sell in person at conventions, I love to see, like, oh, yeah, different color people buying different color things, and they're just wearing each other's characters. That's great. Mm -hmm. But one person came up and was really concerned about that, and it was just like, I really like this crop top. It was like the Stay Bad crop top um, Mm. with the black girl with the pastel smoke coming out of her mouth. They were just like, I really like this crop top, but I want to respect your culture and everything like that. I don't think that I can get this, but I really support this. And they were just having like a really a oh, crisis God. moment about oh, it. I was just no. like, it's okay. You can get it. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't say black for life on it or anything. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't say that you are black or anything like that. It's just like a cute shirt. You know, you can wear this and it's fine it shouldn't phase anyone but i couldn't convince her something that i hadn't really you're the person making the clothes like you should be the best one to convince yeah exactly but they didn't feel like it was okay and so then i just kind of thought to myself like huh i wonder if there's like you know more sectors of people who are just like oh i can't get this it has a a black person on it and then I don't know if that makes me racist. (laughs) And I'm just like, that seems weird to me. But I'm just like, "Uh, I guess I can see people like being concerned about that or also just putting themselves into a box. That's for black people. That's not Mm -hmm. for That's what it's come off as me whenever anyone's asked that is like, this is for black people. This is empowering black people. Therefore, I can't interact with it, which is like not true. I mean, I'm making clothes for everyone. I'm just specifically representing black people. Just wear it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's what I want. I want, oh, I guess it comes into our like last thing of like, no matter where people fall on this subject, what is a surefire and positive way to uplift black people in the J fashion community? And I think wearing shirts with black characters on them being cute. Support black businesses. That's what I was going to say. Like, we've already (laughs) name dropped a bunch of black businesses. There are so many of us now. Like, Mm -hmm. we've been popping up more and more now. And it's really important to support us because if you don't, we will go away. Like, we have to eat and that type of stuff, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've definitely, very often do I see black artists kind of looked at as, like, black artists. Like, that is its own entity. Yeah, and it's only for the black people. And Right. Like, (laughs) bring it into the common community. Like, don't Mm -hmm. just promote them because they are black. Also promote them because their art is good and because you want to support them. Yeah. it shouldn't be performative. It should be actually enjoying them and wanting Mm -hmm. to make sure that they succeed. Because if it's only performative, it's only going to be temporary. Yeah, definitely. And then also, like, posting 
in the general J fashion community, Facebook forums and things like that, mm-hmm. black J fashionista or J fashionistos, which I heard is a term, and I'm just like, ooh, J fashionistos. Feeling <laughs> that. Just like posting us in like different areas rather than just feeling like, oh, I can only post this performatively as just like, oh, this is Black History Month. I'm going to post someone yeah. black right now. And do it's just it like, all the time. Do it all the time. We just need to normalize being both black and kawaii. Like, yeah. And it, like, it should stop being a thing that we see rarely and be just a part of the community. Yeah. If you're making one of those like mood posts, make sure you go out of your way to like add some diversity to those mm-hmm. mood posts mm-hmm. that are just like, oh, all people with pink hair. Like, don't just have them all be white people. Yeah. Just like get some black people in there and get some other races in there wearing different hairstyles or participating in the kawaii lifestyle and different things like that. That'd be awesome. And like sometimes it could be approached like a big deal, but sometimes, you know, it'd be also I mean, nice to not approach it like a big deal. It's normalize just normal. It. <laughs> normalize it, right? Like definitely like it's February. Happy Black History Month, everyone. This is a time to be uplifting specifically black creators and black yeah. cosplayers and black J fashionistas and J fashionistos and all those types of things. Mm-hmm. But you know, every other month, you should still promote those people. Like it yeah. isn't like oh, those pages on your Instagram and see their stuff more often like there's been so many times basically every february like my instagram and facebook go up by like 200 friends because i see so (laughs) many cool people and i'm like oh my god i didn't know you existed and we grow closer throughout the year Mm -hmm. it shouldn't just be this is a special occasion look at all these black people it should be like wow these people have talent and keep an eye on them like if you're into cosplay and stuff and you're seeing these posts like the post and share it share it and like the cosplayers if you like enough things that are black people who are cosplaying modeling making art and things like that it won't be so like you're going out of your way to find these people and these things they're just gonna pop up on your feed and you're gonna become a normal thing it'll become a normal thing for you every time i try to share like we're doing a Hashtag 28 days of black J fashion. Yeah. And I try to like stress follow this person though. Because yeah. <laughs> that's that's what they need. Don't more just visibility. Go, oh, they're pretty. Make sure that you see them more often. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So thank you so much, Callie, for joining us on this episode, talking about yeah, this topic. Yeah. Super important to talk about. And sometimes it can be hard. A lot of people feel afraid to talk about these things, afraid of being like criticized. I've been wanting to have this type of conversation for like months now and just being able to talk about it, not even it being recorded, but like talk it out. It's mm-hmm. been really good for me, too. So I'm happy to be here for sure. Awesome. So in our patron content, we are going to be talking with Callie about their new kawaii zine called K-Club. I love the name. So if you guys are interested in hearing that content, please join our Patreon. We are going to start recording it in like two minutes. (laughs) So with that, where can we find Callie online? Yes, sorry. I was about to say, can I plug? (laughs) Sorry, I was (laughs) hated sometimes. He can like, he could be so fluid and like, I was sitting there like, wait, but I want to talk about my project. Yes, no, please, please. Sorry, I I was so focused. I'm like, K-Club, K-Club, K-Club. Sorry. Yeah, Yeah, so where can we find you? I have like 14 Instagrams. Perfect. But um, I will follow everyone. 
follow everything. My personal Instagram is Kali.otaku. Otaku is O-T-A-Q. There's no hyphen in that one. And then my business Instagram is Otaku Apparel, O-T-A-Q, and then Apparel normally. Um, you can find Otaku Apparel online with www.ota-q.store. And if you just search up Otaku Kali or anything like that, honestly, I'll probably come up at this point. <laughs> I exist on the internet and hopefully you can find me. But the thing that you should really look out for is K-Club because mm-hmm. it's something that me and my best friend are super fucking freaking you can, you passionate can fuck about. on here you can say fuck <laughs> but, but please don't fuck on, on the podcast yeah 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 so my best friend and i just recently launched a self-published zine that's going to come out every three months and it focuses on japanese fashion and kawaii lifestyle this isn't something that's like centered about us this is actually something that we're using to intertwine and bring together the community where we're Mm -hmm. interacting and collaborating with different artists and different creators and different clothing brands and letting them all share their creations and share their stories and share their tips about getting into J fashion and all those types of things in one physical publication. Because there's like fruits and there's different publications that we used to have that were mostly in the Western community pictures to look at and not Mm -hmm. really something to read. And we thought it was really important to not only give you something to read and something that's collectible and enjoyable throughout the ages, but something that like ties together the community and shows things that you may have never thought of or like talk about current issues. Like we're going to be talking about cultural appropriation in the newest issue with you two and that type of stuff. (laughs) Um, If you want to look out for us, there is The K Club, T-H-E-K-E-I-C-L-U-B on Instagram. Um, if you type that into Facebook, you'll find us there too. And if you want to check out our website where we have a bunch of blog posts and updates on the zines and like different information on how you subscribe and everything like that, you just go to the K.club. It's really clever. Yeah. So it's like T-H-E-K-E-I dot C-L-U-B and you'll find us there. I really hope to like see you guys in the first issue of K Club. I'm really excited. I've been putting a lot of effort into it. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yeah, I'm getting. Like it's gonna be really awesome. I'm getting paid on Wednesday, and right when I do, I'm placing my order <laughs> so we can have our coffee. <laughs> and it's gonna it's gonna be hanging up on my wall. And I'm gonna. Funny enough, my phone has been lighting up with like group chats with a contributor that might be like giving us another article while we've been recording for the podcast. <laughs> I've been all over the place today. Yeah, understandable. I mm-hmm. feel. It. Oh my gosh. <sighs> but yeah, so with that, we have been OK Podcast. My name is Hayden. My name is Kamila. And my name is Callie. <laughs> and we will see you all next month. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.